1: Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Very happy to be joined right now by the newest member of the Minnesota Wild in what's been a very busy offseason. Cam Talbot, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, Cam, as uh, all Wild fans uh, n- know by now, led the NHL uh, with 73 starts and 42 wins just three seasons ago with the Edmonton Oilers. 2.39 goals against average and a 9.19 save percentage. He finished fourth in Vesna Trophy uh, voting. You also won the prestigious Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award when uh, Henrik Lundqvist was hurt and you helped lead the uh, New York Rangers to the President's Trophy in uh, 2015. That was another awesome year, 21-9-4 and four with a 926 save percentage, a 2.21 goals against average, five shutouts. And I, I think Wild fans will be happy that you're on their side now because you've uh, pretty much owned them over the years with a, almost a 9.30 save percentage and a 2.28 goals against average. Uh, Cam, just h- how, how stressful of an offseason was this, just not knowing what it was going to be like on october 9th when free agency began and seeing all the goalies that could be potentially moved and and signed by a lot of different teams yeah
2: well, that's the biggest thing it was extremely stressful for myself my family you know it's just there's so much uncertainty and, and so many great goalies out there that had great years and and you just never knew you know, like where the, the opportunities were going to happen we knew there's going to be some shuffling around and Bit of a carousel kind of thing, but uh, you just never knew where you're going to land. So that that uncertainty is is stressful. But at the same time, you know, we were just hoping that there'd be a couple opportunities out there for us. And and uh, you know, obviously, we uh, we think that we we chose the right one, and we we're extremely excited when uh, when Bill Green and the Wild came calling. So um, very stressful. A couple months after leaving the bubble, waiting for this day, and you know, luckily for me, it, it didn't take long before I was able to. Put pen to paper and, and be one of the first guys off the board. So we were very fortunate when that happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty is it's almost fitting. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist went first, although I think we all knew that he was going to Washington because he was allowed to talk to teams uh, before free agency because he was he was bought out. But you were the first one off the board, and and we're seeing it right now in this league. I mean, guys are getting squeezed. There's got to be a lot of stressed free agents out there because a lot of good players right now don't have jobs.
2: Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. There's so many good good players out there that are still without jobs, and like you said, there's just there's not a ton of money to go around right now. There's not that many spots that need to be filled, and and a lot of guys to fill them. So um, again, that's, that was another stressful thing. You never knew, um, you know, even what kind of contract offers were going to come. If you with all those goals, you're looking at maybe a one or two year deal. I was fortunate enough to to get the third one and get some extra security for myself and my family. But yeah, it's. Uh, um, you know, it's a very difficult time, definitely unprecedented and, and uh, again, just, uh, we're, we're very fortunate to, to have worked out the deal that we got and, and a uh, great place to play. And, and we're looking forward to,
1: uh, tell me a little bit about your family. Uh, I, I noticed Kelly's on Twitter. She's pretty active. Uh, you have two, uh, young twins, uh, you know, how excited are they to be coming eventually to the state of hockey?
2: Yeah, they're very excited. Uh my twins turned four on Monday. So that's <laughs> you know, that's exciting. So uh they're at that age now where they kind of understand it. They've done enough of the movie now that like we we told them we were gonna be playing in Minnesota and they're excited to just start packing again. They've done it enough times <laughs> already at four years old that uh they got their own little suitcases and stuff and they're ready to go whenever we pick up the bag. So um, you know, they're they're troopers when it comes to that. So we're we're all excited to get down there, see what the the great uh the state of Minnesota has to offer us, and you know, obviously, not really sure how it's going to work out. Going down, trying yeah. to find a place, and having to come back here and, and quarantine, or you know, it's just the different times crossing the borders and stuff now. So it's going to make it a little, little added stress, um, you know, when season time comes. But we'll we'll figure it out as a family and go from there
1: yeah, that's what I was actually thinking that when I asked the question was uh, right now, uh, I mean, can the wild do anything to help you get over the border, or you you sort of have to wait uh, to start really exploring this this area?
2: yeah, kind of in a holding pattern right now. Uh, they have to apply for my visa, so I have to stay put uh, for the next few weeks until that's finalized, and then I think it might be easier for me to come and go as I please. and um you know, my wife's American, so it wouldn't be an issue for her getting mm-hmm. into the states and coming back. but um, as far as myself, they, they kind of want me to, to stay put. So right now we're just going to kind of do everything via correspondence and stuff like that. Look at places online. Uh, we've got a really good friend that, that works for the Wild right now. He's in player development. So we played with him for two years in in Edmonton. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can, you know, um, you know hire him and his wife to maybe go look at some places for us and, and <laughs> see, uh, see if they would, uh, you know, help us out in the search
1: yep and uh cam's obviously talking about maddie Hendricks, one of the great human beings uh in player development with the minnesota wild had a great career um and he lives out in the western burbs so uh you you might want to get a little closer to the arena than he than he is but uh but um by the way where is your wife from and and i guess that was the genesis of her joking around on twitter that she's going to get to go to target again
2: yeah yeah she's extremely excited about that she's Uh, From just about, uh, you know, 35, 40 minutes outside of Dallas, between Dallas and Fort Worth area. So, um, obviously, being an American girl, she grew up on Target and stuff like that. And when we (laughs) moved to Canada, that was the one thing that she was really missing. So, when she found out that the Target headquarters were in Minnesota, uh, I think uh, the stock at Target went up. I should have had them write that in my (laughs) contract, but I wasn't, uh, wasn't prepared for that. (laughs)
1: Uh, We're talking to Cam Talbot. This is Michael Russo from The Athletic. Uh, You're listening to Straight From The Source. And by the way, to subscribe to The Athletic, now's the time. Uh, You can get in for a crazy discount. Go to theathletic.com slash straightfromthesource, and you can read all about uh, Cam Talbot. Uh, Cam, uh, you grew up in Ontario, uh, wound up at Alabama Huntsville. Um, which I've actually been to uh, Huntsville once in my life, and it was, believe it or not, in 1998. The uh, I used to cover the Florida Panthers, and they played the National Predators in Nashville's first-ever exhibition game at that old uh, Civic Center there. Um, so I've mm-hmm. actually gotten to see Huntsville. I've see, seen, I think it's, is it NASA that's right there too?
2: Yes, yeah, they have yep. a big NASA base there too. So yeah, yep. Huntsville, is a, or UAH has a big uh, engineering program, and a lot of the graduates end up just feeding right into the NASA program there.
1: How did you wind up down there?
2: Uh, I was playing tier two junior A for the Hamilton Red Wings up in Ontario. And, you know, I come from Caledonia to a really small town, uh, hardworking parents, and they offered me uh, a full scholarship in my third year there. So uh, it's tough to to turn that down and that opportunity to, um, you know, go down, continue to play hockey, but also get, you know, a really good education. Uh, for free, obviously, and, and not come out of there with a with a bunch of student debts and stuff like that. So that was, you know, obviously when they offered that, they were the first team to offer, and um, you know that's hard to turn down. So, um, you know, went down there, had a had a blast, played there for three years, and was able to uh, ultimately sign a entry level deal with the Rangers. So it was a uh, it was a great great landing spot for me. It obviously, worked out great
1: yeah and cams uh, one of the most successful undrafted goalies uh in nhL history um but you also had a huge role in helping save that program it seems like for years they've always had to fight to keep that hockey program down there can you bring uh fans through what you did to help keep that that uh that program alive
2: i uh, mean you know, a lot of people are giving me a lot of the credit but all i did <laughs> was was use was use my platform that uh you know ultimately they provided me you know if i didn't go there and and get the opportunity with New York and, and build from there. And I wouldn't have the the following and stuff like that, that I do. So, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit for that, but there was, you know, so many people, um, that were on the ground in, in Huntsville getting all that, um, you know, getting all that done. And, uh, I just tried to use my, pl- my platform. They gave us, uh, four, basically four days to raise $750,000 to keep the program alive for next season. And, uh, through a GoFundMe page and, and donations from, uh, boosters and, you know, big, big alumni and stuff like that. We're able to, to come up with the funds and, and keep the program alive and, and keep the dream alive for 24 or 25 more kids to, to have the opportunity to go down and, and, you know, play college hockey and, and live out the dream of that. And, you know, hopefully, um, send a few more up and up through the ranks and and into professional hockey. So it's are just something that's, once I saw it was happening, I wanted to, to get behind it and do everything I could to to allow kids the opportunity to to uh, to have that you know platform that they offered me. So it was kind of no brainer.
1: That's outstanding. And then you go to New York. I, I've got to imagine. First of all, as a as a young, uh, fresh out of college kid trying to afford an apartment on a minimum NHL salary was pretty difficult. Your first time in New York City.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't go right to New York. I was able to. I did, spend my time in, in Hartford for three years before I worked my way up to New York. But yeah, I mean, once you get there, making, like you said, league minimum and, and after escrow and taxes and New York city rent, you know, not that much. So by the time uh, you get through the summers and stuff like that, you kind of need that next paycheck or summer job almost. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade anything for the world to, to be able to play my first game and, uh, with the Rangers and, and get to play Madison Square Gardens for two years. It was, you know, just a, a surreal experience. And, um yeah, like you said, it's, it's not a cheap place to live, but, um, you know, that's a, a great place to play, um, you know, before you before you have kids and, and you can explore a little bit more.
1: Yeah, seven grand a month is uh, what I read that your rent was in New York City. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, roughly. Uh, once you factor in <laughs> utilities and parking below the, the yeah. apartment and stuff like that, it was pretty much about seven grand all in for, I think it was 720 square feet. So, you know, you basically had, you know, one bedroom, a uh, little sitting area, a galley kitchen kind of thing, and then a bathroom. And that was pretty much it. So it was just me and my wife and, and our dog at the time. And that and was, you know, it was cozy and all we really needed. So we were never really in there because there's so much to do in New York City, anyways. You're, right. You're basically only sleeping there. So.
1: And what a two years you had in New York a one six four goals against average and 9.41 save percentage in 2013 14, the year that the. Uh, Rangers went to the Stanley Cup final and then as I mentioned Cam helped lead uh the Rangers to a President's Trophy his his uh second year 34 starts 2 2 1 goals against average he was 21 and 9 uh unbelievable time in New York and you got to learn under the best I mean Henrik Lundqvist uh incredible class act what was uh, your relationship like with him
2: Yeah I mean you you know that there he's just he's such a class act and one of the best guys you could pop possibly learn from as a young goaltender. I mean, his work ethics, his preparation, I mean, everything that goes into his every day to make himself, you know, one of the best goalies in the world for so long. I just kind of sat back and watched and um, obviously for the first three years, just during training camp, I got to watch him and Marty be around two, you know, great professionals. just, mm-hmm. you know, in training camps and stuff like that. And you realize what it takes to, to become that NHL goalie, and then to push yourself to that level. So, um, like I said his preparation his his work ethic it didn't go unnoticed and I just tried to you know mimic that anywhere I could and give myself a chance to ultimately one day be called up and, and be playing alongside of him so it was uh, you know a great five years with the organization and two years with the Rangers and like you say got to learn from one of the best and, and one of the best goalie coaches in, in Benoit yeah. so I don't think that it's a, it's a coincidence that Hank and Benny were there for, for that long together and obviously they had a a really strong relationship and, and i did too so i got to give benoit allaire a lot of credit because i don't know if i would have made it uh, to the nhl without first you know learning from him for three years so i got to give him yep. a ton of credit too
1: and while uh, and his brother francois absolute legends in the game um what will it be like to watch henrik play for the for the capitals this year
2: it's gonna be weird i mean they're <laughs> the biggest rivals and you know we played them in the playoffs and stuff like that, and they were always just, you know, absolute battles. So it's going to be weird seeing him throw on, uh, throw on a capitalist jersey, but I'm sure, you know, it's going to be fun for him to get to play against the Rangers that many times. I'm sure that factored into it, but obviously Washington's uh, a perennial cup contender, and, you know, Hank deserves that that right to go and go and chase a cup now. So good for him for forgetting what he wanted.
1: And by the way, you you've actually had your own personal goalie coach since you were like 10 years old, right?
2: Yes, yeah, I have. His name's Pat DiPeronio. I've been working with him since, like you said, 10 years old. And I remember going to the goalie clinic that he worked at the first time as, you know, the minor hockey league just kind of sends you there to to give you a taste of it. And I came off the ice and I told my dad I'd never go back to Patty. And now I've been with him for 23 years. So he always <laughs> seems to know how to get the, you know, how to get the best out of me. He's like, a, you know, another father to me at this point. So um, he knows when to push, when to pull uh, when I need to be yelled at and, you know, when I need to be taught. So, um, yeah, it's been just an unbelievable relationship with him for 23 years now. So it's, it's crazy. It's been that long, but every single summer I, I come back to him and, and we get to work. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
1: Talking with Cam Talbot, who uh, just signed a three-year deal with the Minnesota Wild. I uh, got a ton of Twitter questions for you, also Cam, that I'll get to as well. Um, let me let me ask you though um, about going to Edmonton. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I understand that you, you and, and Connor McDavid actually got close during the during the World Championships, I believe, in, in 2016. Uh, what was it like playing with him, and and uh, how does that make you better as a goalie when you're facing that guy in practice every single day?
2: Yeah, I mean, Connor's just I don't know if anyone's ever come across him or anything like that, but he's just so down to earth. He's the nicest kid you'd ever meet. Um, you know, if you see him off the ice and you approach him, like you wouldn't even think that he's an NHL superstar. He's just that down to earth and, and that humble. So um, nothing but great thing to say about him off the ice, but obviously on the ice, everything just kind of speaks for itself. Everything he does in games, you know, he's trying that stuff out in practice on me before it gets to the game. So um, you know, not always great for your offense going into a game the next day when Connor's doing that too in practice, but it also makes you, uh, it makes you want to be that much better too to, to really push yourself to push him, so um, his work ethic on and off the ice is, is second to none, and, you know, it just kind of drives everything, so to to get to play with, you know, a guy like that, and, and obviously Leon will be in that yeah. conversation now too, which is crazy, so to play with both those guys for um, four years was, you know, just makes you better every day seeing so
1: them in practice. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by the evolution of Leon Draisaitl. He is just so good. I remember going actually the Wild played in Edmonton. Um you were the goalie, so it had to be 3 or 4 years ago. Um and just watching him every shift in overtime, um you just knew that he was going to score this goal and of course uh you know, this is it was a weird like back-to-back, you know, Edmonton playing home games against uh um, I believe it was Calgary and, uh, and Minnesota, but, uh, but Drysdale was just so good watching him, uh, his evolution. Um, can you discuss a little bit about that and how he's become the superstar that he is and now a hard trophy winner?
2: Yeah, it, it was crazy. When I first got traded to Edmonton, I didn't know, you know, obviously a lot of the guys, a lot of the prospects and stuff like that. So I went to my first training camp and Leon's a bigger boy. And, you know, I didn't think that he was 19 years old or anything like that. I, when I saw him on the ice, I thought that he had, you know, been there for a couple of years. I didn't realize that he was still just trying to make the team. He he really stood out to me. So, um, you it know, doesn't surprise me at all. Everything that he's been able to do, I think that he's, um, you know, he's worked hard at, uh, at his fitness and stuff like that. And he's one of the smartest hockey players you'd see. Not too many guys can think the game as, as well as Connor and keep up with him that way. But you can see the chemistry that they have. And I think it's just because their hockey IQs are so high um so obviously getting to play with connor and then you know this year starting to drive his own line um is when he really took off and i think anyone that's played with him knows that he's had that in him and you know i think that you know he's only going to continue to grow and get better as a player i think that um he's almost he could be pavel dash to like where he could be one of the best two-way players in in the nhl so um he has that ability and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he takes off and and wins a couple more of those hearts
1: Right. A much, much bigger, uh, Pavel. That's <laughs> uh, Leandro. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Cam Talbot, uh, Cam, then you go to Calgary. Um, you really, I mean, you, you bet on yourself last year. You signed a one-year deal. You've really, I mean, if you look at your numbers in your entire career, you've had just one down season. You signed the one-year deal in Calgary, your, uh, cross province rival, and then you absolutely resurrect your, your, yourself there. You platooned at first with David Riddich, then took over in the playoffs. Um, what was that like being on the other side of the battle of Alberta? And I think as wild fans might remember, uh, the first goalie ever to get into a fight in the battle of Alberta.
2: Yeah, it was fun to experience on both sides. That's for sure. This year was obviously the most intense that I've been a part of in the five years that I've been in Alberta, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, like I said, a, a lot of fun. It got really intense this year. Obviously Chucky and Cass started that. And then, uh, Smitty and I kind of finished it off there, but um, you know it was it was a lot of fun. I've always wanted to be in a goalie fight. I never want to fight someone as big as Smitty, but um, during that altercation, so that when everything was going down to that point of the game, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And I saw him standing at center ice, and who knows if you ever get another chance to do that. So I skated <laughs> out there and. You know, it didn't go very well for me, but I can say that I did, it and crossed that one off the bucket list.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, I think it was Sam Gagne that nudged you and uh, and drew the tempers in a huge scrum and and fans. If you don't know about it, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, Mike, Mike Smith came down when, when Cam left the crease and came down, and just stood at center ice next thing, you know, they're squaring off. It's funny. And, and uh, this is going to again, show you how old I am. But in, in the late nineties, again, I'm covering the Florida Panthers We're in Buffalo. It's late in the season. The Panthers' season is just going horrifically. And Sean Burke, I shared a cab with him to the morning skate. And he, and he told me that, yeah, this is going to be my last game of the season, uh, b- between you and me, I'm having hip surgery. Um, and I'm going to go out swinging tonight. And I'm like, and I just laughed and he goes, no, seriously, I, I lead the NHL all time in like goalie fights and like penalty minutes. And I'm like, I, again, I laugh next thing I know. It's like, this is where you wish you were on. You had Twitter back in the late nineties. I'm <laughs> in the press box. First period. Vaslav Varada comes like within five feet of the crease and Sean Burke just started wailing on him and got kicked out of the game with a fight. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> And I was like, I was Over. like, oh my God, yes, she. I just he told me he was going to fight, and I just completely ignored it. So um, it was just <laughs> uh,
2: hilarious.
1: Um, let me ask you about Jordan Sigallet. Last thing on Calgary, uh, Jordan is the goalie coach there. I got to know him um, probably ten years ago uh, when when Josh Harding was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Uh, Jordan um, has multiple sclerosis as well, and and you know I, I've got to think that he was a. Um, huge influence in you this one year, you know, to get your game back on track. What did Jordan mean to your, your uh, one season in Calgary?
2: You know, he, he meant a lot and we developed, you know, one of the, one of the strongest bonds I've I've had with a goalie coach and I've had, you know, so many great ones. I've got, I still talk to every single one of them with, um, you know, last summer when I signed with, with Calgary, um, it was kind of per, the kind of place to the, um, the character of Siggy. He was in, uh, Columbus with his family and drove five hours up to see me skate with my goalie coach Pat in Hamilton uh, took us to dinner and stuff like that after my skate and then drove five hours back to Columbus that day just you know he just wanted to come up see where I trained meet me for the first time and just kind of go over a few things and, and tell me how excited they were to that they were able to get me so he was uh, a driving force behind um, I think Tree signing me last summer and then obviously getting to to work with him all season long and like you say, kind of resurrect my career in Calgary. I mean, he was just so calming, so easy to play for, um, you know, he he knew when to, you know, like when, when we need to do video after games, when we didn't, he, we just kind of had a feel for each other. And, and it was just, you know, just a great working relationship throughout the entire season. And, um, you know, he cares just as much about the games as the goalies do and stuff like that. And you can feel his passion for it. So uh, to get to play for him and, and get to know him and, and like I said, to, to build that bond and that relationship was, was unreal and only in only a year's time. So, um, you know, can't, uh, can't thank him enough for the, for the time that we had together. And obviously he was very instrumental in, in, uh, you know, helping me rebuild myself.
1: That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Wonderful man. Um, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to when, you, you know, I finally get to meet you face to face and doing a bunch of cool stories on you, uh, Cam, um, because I've, I've read so many stories just the last, um, uh, you know, essentially weak, um, from Scott Crook, who works for the athletic and that he wrote. And one of the neatest mm-hmm. stories that I saw that, that he wrote in, in, in the athletic is how, you know, you've worn number 33 your entire life. And obviously Riddich wears 33. So you had to pick another number and you actually let your son, uh, pick the number. Can you tell that story?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. When we got, when we signed with Calgary, yeah, I've been 33 for, I think 13 straight years heading back to college. So um I had never worn another number since juniors and that number was just given to me, so I didn't really want that one. Uh so I had to come up with another one. And I kinda put a bunch of numbers down or threw them out to my son and, and every single time we we said the numbers to him we picked thirty nine and then we'd read them in backwards order and he would say thirty nine again for some reason you just kept picking it. So I was like, okay, if he picked it like I think it was like three, four or five times in a row. I was like, okay. And then this is the one we're going with and it was just kind of a shot in the dark and He said, I hadn't worn anything else in 13 years. So my son got to pick that number. And then this year I was trying to figure out if I stick with 39 or go back to 33. And I asked him again, five times, he said, daddy, we're 33 or 39. And every single time he said 33. So that's awesome. So I'm going back to 33 this year. 39 was a one year thing.
1: And why is 33 your favorite number? Is it have to do with Patrick? Why? Or is it something else?
2: Uh, it does actually. I grew up uh, a Habs fan and a huge Patrick Law fan. So when uh, when he was traded to Colorado, I became a Colorado fan in 95-96, 90, But um, I just always you know admired Patrick Law. He always just seemed to have the biggest games and the biggest moments. And um, you know you, you always want to be that guy that that has that big game when the team's counting on you and stuff like that. So there's not a not a better guy that to idolize in that situation. So um, I just you know followed his entire career and and love watching them play. So I always said, if I got the chance to pick my own number, I would always choose 33. So I stuck with it.
1: That's great. Um, and you rented, you actually, you and your wife rented a uh, like an RV to basically drive from Calgary to Hamilton, right? Be- because you don't want to, I, I believe you did not want to expose your son to, you know, the potentially getting sick.
2: Yeah. I mean, we didn't really want to expose either child, but my son <laughs> does have um, some, some asthma issues and stuff like that. So we just, at the time it was still early on in the pandemic. So we weren't sure how it affected children mm. and stuff like that, or, or anyone with that, uh, with that illness. So we just, yeah, we rented an RV, drove from Calgary all the way back to Ancaster and did it. in I think five days. So, uh, my wife, you know, cooked for a few days beforehand, packed up the, the RV with a bunch of meals and stuff like that. I was the only one that, that got out of the RV and in five days. We kind of kept them sheltered and, you know, if we weren't getting gas or, or sleeping, we were on the road. So um, the kids had a blast. They actually won't, every time they see an RV on the road now, they they want to go back in one. But I don't think I'll be doing any more cross country <laughs> trips with four year old twins anymore anytime soon. So
1: yeah, yeah, I cannot imagine Calgary to Hamilton as a fun drive. That is, that's a long, long way through the prairies of Canada. Uh, we're talking to Cam Talbot. But you, I will say, you, you, I, I have seen also. You're not, you're not the biggest fan of flying, right?
2: No, I'm not. <laughs> That's uh, You know, playing in the West, it's not the, and especially in the Pacific Division. I mean, there's our closest flight was an hour, and the next closest flight was two, and the closest one after that was I think three, three and a half to California and Vegas. So a lot of flying goes on in the Pacific Division. So I, I preferred the Metro in New York. We could take trains and buses and stuff places, but you know, I'll yeah, I'll, uh, I'll settle for the Central,
1: <laughs> yeah, a little
2: closest trip.
1: And next year, I have a feeling next season and travel is going to be pretty simple. I've been told that it's going to be four modified bub- bubbles to sort of start off with uh, with new divisional alignment. So um, it's going to be interesting, Cam, like just thinking about that. If it's a shortened season, you know, you know next season, you actually really might need two really quality goalies because there could be a lot of back to back games. So, I mean, we could see, be seeing a lot of you and Staylock next year.
2: Yeah, I think that's what every team's planning on. You could tell mm-hmm. that, you know, teams are paying more a lot more for goalies this season because they know that they're gonna need, like you said, two quality goalies night in and night out. So it'll be interesting to see how they you know, how they schedule it, how they set it up, if it's gonna be bubbles or, or whatnot. But uh yeah, I think they're obviously gonna try to complete the season as quick as possible, kinda like they did this year. So definitely gonna be a lot of back to backs, three and four. So both goalies are gonna have to be going and and you said you, you're going to need both of them to, to be quality goaltenders you're going to be quality starts. So uh, you can see that around the league right now, especially with all the goalie movement that teams are are kind of stacking up in that position because they're going to be used quite a bit.
1: Uh, uh, let's get to some Twitter questions. Uh, Cam, I don't want to take you all day, take you up your time all day. Um, but I do want to tell people that, uh, by the way, uh, we have a vast amount of podcasts, not just articles on The Athletic, but a ton of podcasts and Man, there's some great ones uh, this week, not just Cam Talbot, but Alex Petrangelo, who just signed with the Vegas Golden Knights, is on Uh, We Went Blues with Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, He's going to explain his uh, his, uh, long process, uh, or not long, but I think a a pretty busy process going to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and leaving St. Louis, where he was captain. And Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, who just left St. Louis as their assistant GM. He's on full 60 this week with uh, Craig Custon. So I
0: either recommend listening to those podcasts and to, in addition to this one. And Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back here with uh,
1: Cam Talbot, the wild uh, goaltender. Just signed a three-year deal. Uh, so we welcome uh, Cam to Minnesota. And because of that, I got a ton of Twitter questions. Um, let's see. Um, Connor, you'll like this one, Connor Beaupre, he, uh, who's the wilds, uh, emergency goalie just tweeted me. He goes, does he really need 33? I think that's, uh, what's wrong with 39. I think that, uh, Connor wears 33. So, uh, you have to give Connor a Rolex or something. Um, yeah, uh, that's he, what Ritter he,
2: wanted too, but I wasn't going to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, there's been so many of those type of stories where, uh, uh, you know, guys ask for, you know, have to give up their numbers and ask for things. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy uh, how how some of that stuff happens. Uh, I, I saw Angelo actually told Shea Theodore, to, don't worry about it. I'll, I won't take 27. I'll just take seven. Yeah, so. I
2: saw that. I?
1: Yeah. Um, here's a good, great question. Um, You do have like the coolest masks. And uh, Trevor Bank uh, asked, what's the story behind the Ghostbusters themed masks? Uh, well...
2: When I was with New York, it made a heck of a lot more sense, but uh, (laughs) everyone seems to always like the Ghostbusters mask, so I just kind of bring them with me wherever I go. But uh, it was actually Dave Gunnarsson, uh, the guy that paints my mask. He's uh, uh, Dave Art uh, from Sweden, and he said that he's always wanted to do a Ghostbusters mask for a guy guy that played in New York City just because it makes so much sense where the movie was filmed, and and I actually live not too far from the fire station that it was filmed at. So um, I'm, I'm not a very creative guy. So I was just like, you know what, uh, send me a sketch. Let me see what you come up with and, and we'll go from there. And obviously, Dave does some of the best artwork you'll ever see on a mask. And and uh, yeah, I just like take that, go with it. And every time it's time for a new mask, he was like I, I think as soon as I signed on Friday, I had an email from Dave at, by like 3 p.m. or something like that saying, I'm ready to start on your next mask. Let me know uh, what you want to do. So he's always ready with new ideas for Ghostbusters. So I'm sure I'll be bringing one to Minnesota as well.
1: That's what I was going to ask. It'll be pretty cool to see that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I got so many questions here. Uh, Dev um, Minabama uh, asks, uh, "What what kind of difference does practicing against a player like Connor and McDavid for a goaltender do? I mean, d- does it make you better, or does it <laughs> does it actually uh, times uh, humble you?"
2: Uh, a little bit of both. Like I said before, sometimes it's not the uh, the best confidence booster going into a game that night or something like that. If he's feeling it in pregame up, sometimes you don't start the game as as uh, as well as you'd hope. But um, obviously, in order to stop a player like that, you have to push yourself to be better every practice, and and that's basically what he does. Mm-hmm. So um, he challenges everybody, not just the goalies, to be better in practice. And um, you know, I, I I'm always one to to push myself. I always Trying to, uh, to get better myself, I feel like complacency is the enemy, so um, anytime I can, I can push myself and, and get better in any way, then I'm going to do so. So Obviously, facing a guy like that in practice every day uh, makes you do so.
1: Uh, Tyler Strickland asks, uh, how does it feel to be playing behind one of the better defensive-minded units in the NHL? I mean, it's no secret. One reason why you love watching Edmonton and Calgary is because they are loose. They go, 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 uh, but you'll be coming to a team that's pretty structured in their own end.
2: Yeah. And, and that was obviously one of the, the big reasons why I was so excited to come here. So, um, you know, I played against Minnesota a lot in my career and, and they're always just so stingy on defense. You, I feel like they, they have shoot us, you know, 40 to 20 every time I play or something like that. The, the goalies <laughs> are always seem bored at the other end while I'm working so hard. So I'm looking forward to being a little bit bored some games and just <laughs> is, they're so well structured and, and, uh, so sound defensively that, uh, you know, it's kind of any, any goalie dream to play behind a team like that. And, you know, I was just very fortunate that I was the one that they were after in free agency and, um, that I was able to sign a deal here. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, they hopped on you right away in free agency. And I know you had a lot of interest from reportedly teams like Detroit and Dallas and, um, and, uh, I believe New Jersey as well. Um, you know, did that did that make a big difference? That it felt like I mean, you know, a lot of times when you sign somebody, you're like, ah, oh, he was our number one target. When you draft somebody, he was the guy we wanted. But it it certainly felt like Cam. They were all in on you right at the start.
2: Yeah, that's kind of how it felt, and and honestly, that made me feel just as good too. So um, when you get the call, you know, as soon as free agency starts and stuff like that, it, it makes you feel good that obviously you're one of the first calls. And and like I said, just to get that call from Minnesota and know how strong they are defensively, how well-structured they are, how good of a team they have, and and honestly, I just love playing uh, at the Excel Center. So um, it's one of the best buildings to play in in the NHL. So, you know, all that kind of factored in and the opportunity to to come in and and play a lot of games was a big factor for me too. So all that kind of rolled into one made my decision Mm -hmm. pretty simple.
1: A similar theme here. Joe Rogers asks, uh, Cam has had pretty solid numbers against the Wild in his career. Is there anyone on the team He's looking forward to not having to face anymore. A lot of wild players over the years are no longer here, uh, Cam, but it looks like guys like, you know, Kevin Fiala is breaking out right now. Obviously you got Zach Parisi here, uh, somebody you know incredibly well in Matt Zuccarello. Um, anybody on the wild that you're looking forward to not having a face in games anymore?
2: Yeah. I mean, Fiala, like you said, had a, had a heck of a breakout year last year. So I'm looking forward to, to playing with him now, getting back with Zuc. Um, you know, he's one of the guys at any time he's got time and space. He can pretty much put the puck wherever he wants to. So, uh, I remember having a lot of battles with him and, and shootouts and stuff like that in practice in New York. And, and there'd be days where he'd go, you know, five or six or something like that. And I'd be lucky. He might just hit me with one. So he's got some of the best hands I've ever seen. So it's nice to not have to play against him again, but I got to face him in practice now, which is not always fun for the confidence either. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously they got, uh, you know, Dumb's just kind of tease it up from everyone yeah. on the flank and stuff like that. He's hit me a few times high, so I'm looking forward to not <laughs> seeing that on the power play anymore. So, I mean, they just – they had a lot of weapons and stuff. So, I mean, you could go up and down the lineup and, and talk about guys you don't want to play against. But, you know, Prize in front, too. He just battles so hard. And, and if there's any kind of rebound sitting there, he's basically pushing you into the net trying to push the puck in, too. So, he's a, he's a battler, a fierce competitor. And, you know, looking forward to have him on my side as well.
1: We used to, you might still get ones high from uh, Dumbo. We used to go into the locker room and uh, Dubnik would always have these just awful uh, marks on his collarbone, you know, bruises and things like that. So you'd think they came from a game and you ask him and he'd be like, nope, dumbs. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: there's always one guy in every team. So
1: <laughs> Yep, exactly. Nino was another one that used to, Nino writer used to just get him up high all the time too. Um so uh let's see Brandon Gonzalez uh is there a reason why you're so good in the playoffs you have consistently been around 925 save percentage in the playoffs four shutouts in 23 NHL playoff games what do you pr- attribute your playoff success to
2: you know that that's a tough question i don't um you know you want to just say that you know the 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 pressure and and everything just kind of kind of makes you better focuses you more you know that every game means that much more during the playoffs and stuff like that so um you know like I said I I idolized Patrick Waugh growing up because he always seemed to to play the best when the game was on the line and I always wanted to be that kind of goaltender so um to be able to you know play as well as I have in in the playoffs you know it's kind of what you dream of to be like when you grow up and want to be a goalie so you want to put yourself in that position and and, you know, still games for your team and, and Stanley Cup playoffs. So um, just, I just always tried to have that mindset. And you know, I've been lucky to be on a, a couple of good runs and obviously haven't, haven't made it as far as I want to yet. So I'm looking forward to, to playing that way for the Minnesota
0: Wild. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
1: A couple more minutes here with Cam Talbot. Uh, let him get back to his uh, family here in this uh, long, extended offseason. Um, Connor has a good question. Cam, analytics today sh- can show an awful lot, but what do you feel is the best part of your game that's uncaptured by these analytics? Uh, perhaps a hot glove, ability to recover, locker room guy. Um, you know what? What is what? First of all, what is your thoughts on analytics, especially for goaltenders? Because you know, I could tell you that I have talked to a lot of goalies that that don't love the the um, the analytics that teams use and that fans use when it comes to goalies, because it's such a, uh, you know, high danger chances how do you define it when there's so much that can happen in terms of traffic pucks, hitting bodies, things like that.
2: Yeah. I feel like some of those analytics is just so subjective and they, sometimes they're, they're tough to, to compute, I feel like, like you said, sometimes like when there's screens or just barely touches the stick, sometimes they don't give it as a high danger chance. It changes direction just enough that as a goaltender and the mm-hmm. puck's coming at you at that velocity, it does make a difference. And I feel like sometimes they don't take that stuff into account. But I mean, at the same time, that's kind of the way the game's going now, and that's what they're using. So I mean, honestly, some some of the stats I don't even really understand. I look at some of the reports, and I have no idea what it, half of the the acronyms even mean. So. Um, yeah. there's just so many of them out there right now so i just kind of stay away from them i don't even look at them i just go up there and and try to play my game and and hopefully just win games and that's all that matters so um that's kind of how i feel about that i guess but uh, <laughs> for myself i mean i'm uh you know i don't know if there's you know anything that i can really pinpoint on the ice i always feel like um you know i always try to be one of the best teammates and in, in locker room mm-hmm. guys i'm not overly vocal but you know, off the ice, I I'm not one of those guys that or not one of those goalies that's going to call out his teammates or anything like that. I pride myself on being a guy that that guys want to play for and not just in front of. So um, I think that that uh, is one of the things that I that I can bring to a team and, and obviously keep guys you know tight tight as a group and and uh, you know make guys want to want to play for me as much as I want to play for them.
1: Uh, Jake Warren asks, uh, how hard is it for a new goalie to learn a team's new uh, system, structure, you know, maybe uh, you know tendencies in their own zone, teams that block shots, don't block shots, get out of lanes? How how hard is that?
2: That's a good question. From a goalie standpoint, sometimes it does take some time. I mean, this is my fifth team that I'm coming to now, and, and there's always that little bit of learning curve when you come to a new team. Teams defend differently, whether it's um, on the PK, five-on-five five in zone, how they play um, you know, you know, backdoor plays and, and all that kind of stuff to d do men slide on two-on-ones and they not slide on two-on-ones. Every team mm-hmm. plays it differently. So um, there are some of those learning curves as a as a goaltender when you come to a new team. But hopefully uh, once we figure out when the season is getting going here and stuff like that, you know, we can get down there and have, you know, a good enough training camp where I can feel comfortable with the guys before we uh, start the season. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Um. Another Brandon asks, uh, "What's what attracted you to Minnesota besides hockey? Uh, do, do you what do you do off the ice? Uh, obviously, there's a big. Uh, I mean, you've played the last uh, two years, three, four years, actually, in uh, real wintry uh, cities. Uh, you're going to be ex- getting that here as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, our our cold weather stuff would have went to waste if we went somewhere south. So why not stay <laughs> north and, and not have to get rid of that stuff? So yeah, it's been about like, five years in Alberta and." Yeah, this would be my sixth straight year um you know in the in the arctic basically so there's not many colder cities than edmonton calgary and, and minnesota on the road but um you know honestly like hockey and, and the team was kind of the driving force i wanted to play for for a team that's that's competitive and and obviously strong defensively and stuff like that and like i said the the arena is one of the best in, in the league when there's you know, in atmosphere and, and fans so hopefully we can get that back as soon as possible once it's safe. But, um, you know, um, during the summers and stuff, I don't know if we'll be staying in the summers or whatnot, but I know that there's a lot of lakes and, and stuff to do like that outdoorsy stuff in, in Minnesota. So we will be looking mm-hmm. to, to kind of take advantage of that when we're there and, and, uh, you know, just going to go from there.
1: Uh, I swear to God this time, uh, last couple of questions for cam uh, Nicholas Allen asks who has the hardest track shot in the NHL? The hardest slap shot, sorry? Uh, tra- hardest track shot. Oh, hardest to track
2: shot. well, uh, oh, There's so many guys with just unbelievable releases. Um, one of the guys that always comes to my mind, I think, just because he scored on me so much when I first came into the league was Tarasenko. He's got a massive rifle of a wrist shot, and you just kind of never know when he's going to let it go. Um, but there's, there's just so many guys with great shots. I mean, Connor's wrist shot has gotten um, exponentially better since he came in the league as an 18-year-old, and he hides it just as good as anybody. So, I mean, you could take, you know, any of the top scorers in the league and I could tell you a reason why their shot's the best. So there's just so many guys that you, you really can't name one when it comes to that. But mm-hmm. uh, when you, when I heard of terrence was the first guy to come to mind because he can get that thing off in a hurry and, and he fixes the spot like, like, uh, you know, like the best of
1: them. Yeah. And i will be interested to see how he uh, recovers from this latest injury. Uh, because you will be seeing them a lot, or at least the Blues a lot. Right. Jonathan Oliver uh, asks, uh, what players have reached out to him to welcome them in, to Minnesota?
2: A uh, few guys have on. Uh, Staylock was one of the first guys, uh, which is you, always nice to have him. your partner reach out. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Brad Hunt, I played with him for a little bit in Edmonton, so I knew Hunty a little bit. Uh, Jerry Spurgeon. Uh, Felino reached out and I'm probably missing guys. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head, but the weekend was a blur with so many messages. So if I missed anybody, <laughs> I apologize. But yeah. those are the ones that come to mind. But I know I'm missing one or two.
1: Yeah. Well, you just uh, mentioned four of the nicest guys on the team. So I, I would, uh, it doesn't shock me. Uh, you know, that, that Daylock, Felino, Spurgeon, and Hunt. Hunt is like that most happy go lucky guy, uh, I think I've ever, uh, covered. I mean, he's just like, yeah, a super really nice is. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, like we'll be hanging out in the hallway when they'll like leave a morning skate and, you know, he'll like actually walk up, like instead of making a left to go to your car, which you'll learn. He'll actually go right to just say goodbye to the media and then go go to his car. He was like, he's just, he, uh, this is like a joke in Minnesota. So everybody listening to this podcast knows this, but, um, coincidentally, so the wild play in Vegas and, uh, that night he's in the press box and then he gets traded after the game to Minnesota, but the team had already left to go to Denver. So being the smart reporter that I am, I show up at my gate the next morning, assuming that he's going to be on my plane. And I don't know what he looks like, so I Google him, and next thing I know, I go up to him, and he invites me in the town car that the Wild set up to him, the Suburban, to go to practice with him. So for the first time in my long writing career, I actually got to be on that end of watching a new player come to a new team and everything they go through, getting their equipment, going to their first practice. And it turned out to be one of my favorite stories that I've written since I've been at The Athletic. So he is, uh, he's just genuinely uh, just incredibly nice. Um, Let's see. Last question for you, Cam. Uh, Wyatt asks, uh, you've played for five teams now in your career. Do you see this as a stopping point for whatever happens three years from now, or are you focused on having a long-term future in Minnesota after your contract is up? I'm sure it's hard to say, but I'm sure that's that you want to make this uh, that, you know, one of the most exciting parts of this is, is like you were in Edmonton and New York being with an organization for a long time.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the goal. I mean, moving around, this much with a family, is not, not easy to do. So, um, I'm definitely not looking at this as a, you know, stopping point if, uh, you know, after three years and, um, I would obviously, you know, just, just love to stay put. I mean, I've moved Mm -hmm. four times in the past, you know, 16, 17 months. So, uh, to put down some roots and, and have that security in, in one city, you know, that, that means a lot for myself and my family and, and we're the kind of people that like to, when we do have that kind of security, like we like to get out in the community and, and do a lot of stuff that way too. So um, we're looking forward to to learn, uh, to working with the foundation and, and uh, you know the Minnesota communities and stuff like that and, and just getting out there and meeting people. So um, that's one of the best things when you're there for, for a long period of time, you get to build some extra relationships. And, and that's what we're looking to do. So we're not looking to go anywhere anytime soon, as long as they still want me.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, as you can tell, I mean, they they call Minnesota Minnesota nice and you'll fit in really well. It's it's funny, uh, Cam. I'm sure it's like like this as a player when you sign with a team and all of a sudden people reach out to you and say how much you like it there and things like that. The second you sign with the Wild, I cannot even convey to you how many beat writers from New York, Edmonton and Calgary reached out to me telling me how much it's going to be just a pleasure to cover you. Uh, here in Minnesota. You're, you're, uh, one one guy, Scott Cruxshank, said that you were the nicest person that he's ever covered in his career. And uh, and Scott has been in this business a long, long time. So we're looking forward to watching you in Minnesota and covering you.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. So I'm looking forward to meeting everyone in person soon, and, and uh, thanks for this.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, that is Cam Talbot, the newest member of the Minnesota Wild. He signed a three-year deal with the wild and uh, check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to straight from the source on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to the athletic, subscribe now and save, go to the athletic.com size straight from the source. You can receive an all access su- subscription for just a buck a month, or I believe it's 40% off for the year. So uh, either way, great deal. Thanks, Cam. Thank you guys. Take care.